Welcome to Appearance Matters, the podcast, the appearance psychology podcast brought to you by the Centre for Appearance Research, a world-leading research centre based at the University of the West of England in Bristol, investigating everything related to the psychology of how we look. I'm Nadia. And I'm Jade. And in this month's episode, we're going to be talking about how we can tackle the topic of body image in schools. And to help us, we're going to hear from Mr Ian Murdoch, a secondary school teacher. Which for any of you non-UK-based listeners is children aged 11 to 18 years old as well as Carl's very own Professor Philippa Deirdrich. And this is perfect timing, as it is that time again where students within the UK begin a brand new school year, and also a time when you get your fresh new books, pencil cases, fancy pens, love a nice new notebook. And I know you're pretty partial to a fancy notebook, aren't you, Nadia? Oh yeah, sparkly the better. (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about stationery. Shall we get on to the episode? Yeah, let's. This episode will be focusing on tackling body image in secondary schools, which in the UK covers young people from the ages of 11 to 18 years. We thought we would save primary schools, so this is younger children from 4 to 11 years in the UK, for a future episode, otherwise this would be a super long episode. Right, so we do have one thing we want to share that's relevant to primary schools and body image, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we're really excited to announce the launch of a new board game created by Focus Games called Everybody's Different, The Appearance Game. Members of CAR have been working in partnership with Focus Games to develop the game and are currently working on evaluating its impact. So Everybody's Different is an educational board game for up to eight players age 9 and above, that aims to help young people discuss and explore issues around appearance and body image. I think generally how it works is that two teams compete against each other, asking and answering questions, and completing activities which promote discussion around body image, appearance and differences. Mm, Questions and activities explore a variety of key topics, including body confidence, visible difference, body talk, appearance-related bullying, appearance ideals in the media, and putting appearance in perspective. Right, and members of CAR have been testing the game in local primary schools, so in the southwest of England, with children aged 9 to 11. You've been going along to those, haven't you, Jade? How do you think the game's been received? Hmm, well, we're obviously evaluating this a bit more systematically, but just from what I've seen so far, the kids seem to be having a great time playing it. Awesome. And how long did the game take? So, about 40 minutes, roughly. Perhaps a good lunchtime inside when it's raining activity? Oh, inside play. I used to love primary school inside play. Anyway, if you'd like to check out the board game or would like to purchase it for your school, we'll put a link in our show notes. Great, yeah, it's already received some excellent reviews online and we'll share the findings from the research evaluation in a forthcoming episode on body image in primary schools. Yeah, so again, that's children aged 4 to 11 years old. And so perhaps you can share some of your findings from your PhD, Jade, then as well. Yeah, that's pretty much my exact PhD topic fostering acceptance and different appearances in primary schools. Anyway, sorry, I took us off on a bit of a tangent there. So back to secondary schools, as I think we've mentioned on the podcast before, feeling unhappy with the way we look is common during our teenage years. In the Oxford Handbook for the Psychology of Appearance, Professor Linda Schmollock writes that up to 70% of teen girls and 45% of teen boys say that they want to change their weight or shape. So, putting that into context, in a co-ed classroom of 30 students, up to 18 students might be struggling with body image concerns. And if it was a class of 30 girls, that number could increase to 21 students. Wow. Anyway, a recent study commissioned by the Be Real campaign found that under half of young people surveyed learned about body image and body confidence in schools in the UK. Which doesn't really add up when it clearly affects a lot of young people. 
Right, and young people themselves are telling us that body image is an important issue that affects their lives. And this is evidenced in the 2017 inquiry on body image by the Youth Select Committee, a British Youth Council initiative supported by the House of Commons. We can link to the report in the show notes because it's an interesting read. Incidentally, Philippa Diodrix, one of our guests on this episode, gave evidence for the inquiry. The point being that teenagers themselves want to tackle body image and view it as an important topic in their everyday lives. Right, both governments and schools also recognise that body image is an important public health issue affecting teenagers, so deserves attention in schools. And actually, this is really important because research conducted at CAR indicates that young people who experience negative body image issues are more likely to have poor performance in school, lower school attendance, or even less likely to just raise their hand in class to ask a question. Right, so then the question is, is how do we effectively tackle body image concerns in schools? Maybe this is a good time to hear from Philippa, who leads some of the school-based body image intervention research here at CAR. Regular listeners will know Philippa from previous episodes, so we'll save the big spiel. But briefly, for new listeners, Philippa is a professor here at the Centre for Appearance Research, but most importantly, my PhD Director of Studies. (laughs) Most importantly, yes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So um, anyway, I caught up with Philippa a few weeks ago to hear more about the work she's been doing to promote positive body image in schools. Hi Philippa, thanks for joining us on the Appearance Matters podcast, it's good to have you. Thanks for having me Nadia. As you know we're talking about fostering positive body image in schools, particularly in secondary schools and high schools, mm-hmm. um, so we just wanted to get some of your insights and thoughts, I know you've done a lot of work in this area. So maybe to begin with, why is it so important to take steps to foster positive body image in schools? It's a really good question. I think schools provide a really good opportunity and setting to reach large numbers of young people at a time in their lives where body image might be particularly important. So I think as you've kind of covered in previous episodes before, um, we know that there are some critical periods during childhood and adolescence in which young people can experience these concerns. And what we tend to see is around the ages of 13, 14, 15, which is typically at the start of high school or secondary yeah. school, that can be a peak time for the onset of concerns or also the onset of other problems that might be associated with body image concerns, such as eating disorders, for example. So it's reaching them at a time where that uh, the issue of body image is really important. Um, but also, you know, uh, from the point of view of trying to deliver body image programs, you've got a captive audience in a sense, because you've got lots of young people in one, lots of young people in one space. And then also you've got them in a space where you've got lots of trained professionals and experts around them to help foster positive body image. So that's the teachers and the school staff. So schools Mm -hmm. can be a really great place for body image programs from that perspective. Yeah, great. And so I know, as I said, I know you've done a lot of work developing and evaluating school-based body image interventions. Um, and I want to ask you quite a lot about all of that. But maybe to begin with, can you say a little bit about the research process? Like, How do you find out what's going to work in schools? Yeah, it's it's um, schools are a great place to work for all of those reasons that I um, elaborated on before. But it's also some of the most challenging research that I've ever done. Um, and when I talk to some of my other colleagues who do work in this area, like Zali Yeager, um, as well as Melissa Atkinson, Simon Wilkes, um, Helen Sharp and different people, 
it's really challenging in the sense because it's very real world research. So, um, you know, you can come up with so many ideas in a lab or in our academic offices, but how they actually work in schools is a completely different scenario. So what we do, there's different stages of the research. So when you're looking at developing a program for schools, we what we've been doing, there's actually been schools research that's been going on for a number of decades now. So we're quite far advanced in it. So a first step um, at the moment is to assess what's already been done and what currently works or doesn't work, in fact, because a lot of the programs, unfortunately, um, haven't been successful. And then we, um, so we've got an idea of what works. Then we go into schools and we work with teachers and students to get their feedback on Mm -hmm. the intervention materials and we might pilot test some of them. So when we pilot them, we'll often have um, researchers or postgraduate research students like yourself um, that will go in and deliver the programs and get feedback from teachers and students. Once we've kind of got a program to the point that we think, oh, it's as best as what we can make it, then we go to a full-scale trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and the gold standard there is a randomised control trial. So we'll recruit a bunch of different schools. Then we'll randomly allocate often schools to receive the program or to receive an alternative intervention in a control group. And then we'll track the students, measure their body image before and after um, they've received the program. And then... Um, some of the largest and longest, longer term studies have tracked the students then up to uh, three years later to see the impact of the program. Okay, awesome. So then from your research, what, what do we know works? What like in terms of what type of program? Yeah, so I think what we know works. So there were some really seminal meta-analyses that Eric Stice and colleagues did to summarise interventions to address body dissatisfaction Um, And they were also eating prevention in general, not just in schools. And a lot of the findings that came out from that, those analyses are very similar to what we find in schools. So unfortunately, despite, you know, what everyone would like, um, you know, there is no magic bullet to it. Just doing one lesson in schools is unlikely to have a sustained impact. Um, What we know is multi-session programs tend to be more effective Uh, And I should say that most of the school-based body image programs that have been trialled tend to be implemented in the classroom um, to the whole class, um, which is what we call a universal program where you're not selecting students on the basis of them already experiencing concerns or them identifying having concerns or being at risk, or they're done in small groups at school but not in the classroom. So that would be more like cognitive dissonance-based approaches have been primarily tried in small groups of adolescent girls, for example. Uh, So we know that um, multi-session programs are most effective and typically the really effective ones um, tend to be between four to eight hours worth of intervention. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also know that interactive programs are most effective, which makes sense, I guess, um, from a learning perspective. But historically, some of the approaches might be you get a guest speaker to come in and talk, for example, or you have, you know, an educational setting where you, a session where you just provide students with, this is what body image is, this is what we know the consequences of poor body image are or these are the influences on it but that kind of more didactic approach doesn't seem to work so it's interactive programs also programs that target the things that we know from the research are the core influences on young people's body image so those more targeted programs that target things like media literacy um, teasing and bullying about appearance fat talk and body talk lots of the concepts you've talked about Mm -hmm. on the podcast in the past the ones that target those factors tend to be more effective, say, than broader approaches that might address, say, self-esteem much more broadly, so a more targeted approach as well. Right. And do you find that the programs work 
better with like a particular age group or if they're like single sex or co-ed like, yeah are there any patterns there um really good questions and I think that's just something where the researchers were able to start teasing out some of those factors so um so in terms of whether you do single sex or co-educational, there haven't been a lot of studies that have directly compared that. Susan Paxton and her colleagues from La Trobe University have done some research in that area um, and found no difference between co-educational and single sex delivery. But I think it really probably also depends a bit on the nature of the program. So some of the content that you might cover in a classroom-based intervention where there's 30 children and one person delivering it might be very different to the type of content that you might cover if it was a much more smaller and intimate group um, of students who have volunteered, you know, and selected to take part in the program. Um, the other important factor about what kind of determines success is who's delivering it as right. well. So um, often schools can think about getting external guest speakers and experts to come in to talk about the issue or to deliver the programs. And indeed, in a lot of the research, we've had trained psychologists, health professionals or um, body image researchers deliver the program. And while that can have the benefits that you have people that have lots of expertise in the particular topic of body image and really know the programs in depth, probably because they've studied them for a long time or perhaps mm -hmm. even created them themselves, um, what we typically see across all of the research is when those types of people deliver it, we get larger effect sizes. So the magnitude of the effect tends to be bigger. However... So like the improvement of like body image or like... Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the kind of the scale of the effect that you get um, within a group of people tends to be more substantial. But that doesn't mean that um, other people can't deliver the programs if they have appropriate training. So for example, right. teachers or school counsellors. Um, the other issue though, so you might get, say you might get more greater scale improvements if you have external experts coming in, but then we need to think about, well, how practical is that? Cause mm -hmm. it's likely to be really expensive. We also know much more broadly, there's never going to be enough trained health professionals to meet the need. So then we need to start thinking about, well, what's actually practical in reality and what myself and my colleagues have been really focusing on lately is how do we provide teachers and schools with the best possible resources and support so that they can deliver it mm -hmm. themselves without relying on external experts um, in a way that's sustainable and cost effective for them. So even if, say, when a teacher delivers it with just a little bit of training, they can still, we've, from our research, we've found they can deliver it effectively. Right. Um, and we're much more likely to have more people receiving the interventions, which ultimately would have a greater benefit than if you just had small pockets. Yeah, and I guess the advantage maybe of having teachers deliver it is that they already have an existing relationship with the kids as well. Yeah, so. yeah I think that's a good point because sometimes in the literature as researchers, you know, you'll hear things like talking about experts delivering it and we assume those experts are the psychologists um, or you'll hear things like, terms like lay providers or community right. providers but you know the teachers have so much experience and expertise and wealth of knowledge about teaching much more than what we do right. and also they know their classes they know the behavior they know they might know the dynamics of friendships and mm -hmm. all of that type of thing which I can I think can bring some benefits as well yeah they're like the experts of their classes yeah aren't they? exactly yeah. Awesome. So I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I wonder if you want to say a bit more about why it's so important to research and evaluate 
the programs that we deliver in schools. Yeah, super important point and something that I talk about a lot when I talk to schools and teachers um, about this. So as I pointed out before, there's a number of decades of, um, of research that's already gone in to look at what works to improve body image in schools. Um, and even the so-called experts and psychologists, a lot of the programs that were developed before in the 90s were ineffective. Um, we saw that they could increase students' knowledge about the topics of body image and media and stuff like that, but it didn't. they didn't seem to relate in any changes to their attitudes or behaviours in relation to their body image. Fortunately, we've made a lot of progress since then. But, um, for example, um, Zali Yeager, Lena Ricciardelli, myself and Emma Halliwell, we did a systematic review of the research that had been published of looking at studies that evaluated body image programs in secondary schools in the classroom. Um, and there were only, of, I think we ended up having 15 programs that were reviewed and there were only three that actually had lasting improvements to body image. Mm-hmm. Um So why does this all matter? Well, we know that body image is a really important issue and increasingly we're seeing lots of schools wanting to address this issue because young people are saying it's important and the teachers themselves can see how it affects young people's confidence in the classroom. Um, We also have evidence um, that it affects academic performance. So when schools are looking for what to do, Increasingly, there's lots of different programs available. You can Google and download a whole bunch of different resources. We're seeing different businesses and consultancies set up of people who are going into schools to deliver these programs, but not all of them work. So why is it important to research it? Because if we, if it's an evidence-based program, it means that it's been evaluated and it's based upon the best available evidence of what we know works. So you're in the best position to actually make a meaningful impact. Um, at best we want to make sure we're doing no harm Mm -hmm. so children are a vulnerable population and if you're going out there to um, deliver a program that might touch on psychological issues or health issues you want to make sure it's at best causing no harm because actually there was some early evidence to suggest that some programs that despite having the best intentions and people and that had good face validity so they looked like on the surface they might do good actually either did nothing or in some cases could cause harm Causing harm in terms of making body image worse? Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, So at best by doing um, an evidence-based approach, you're minimising that risk of causing Mm -hmm. harm. The other thing is if anyone's worked with schools or worked in a school knows that there is so much for teachers and schools to cover. They've got really packed curriculums. They're trying to address all of these different issues. So if they're going to spend time on something, um, particularly if it's in, you know, during classroom time, And also lots of schools have limited money. So if they're going Mm -hmm. to invest in any way, whether that's through teaching staff time or printing materials and things like that, then you want to make sure that what they're doing is effective. And it really frustrates me when we have programs out there that are widely available that haven't been tested. Um, And there's classic examples in other areas, like I'm not sure if you've heard of the DARE drug prevention program in the United States. And um, a friend and Carol, uh, colleague, Carolyn Becker, often uses this example. So that was a school-based program that was meant to prevent um, drug use in America. Um, it was developed and it was rolled out across the whole of America. And then they evaluated it after the fact and found that it actually didn't do anything to prevent drugs. And there were some factors, actually, that it was worse off than what you would have hoped. So not only is that a waste of all this time, human resource mm-hmm. and money, but also you waste time in ineffective interventions we actually have some effective interventions mm-hmm. out there. So you're missing out on opportunity to deliver those. So that's okay. my very yeah. long-winded, <laughs> passionate answer. No, that's great. So then 
you know, if I was a teacher and I wanted to improve body image in my class, what would I do? Where would I go for those evidence-based programs? Yes, good question. And for the researchers out there, I think this is something that we need to work on, which is making our programs more available and accessible for people so that they can find them. Um, so there are a couple of programs that, um, like the go-to programs that I recommend based upon the existing evidence of right. um, their evaluations and what we know works. Um, so we have some of the programs we've been working on closely um, here at CAR include Happy Being Me, mm-hmm. which was a program that was developed originally by Susan Paxton um, and colleagues at La Trobe University in Melbourne. Um, and they've done some great work on that program with secondary school girls. Um, and then they've also updated it for a co-educational setting. Then in collaboration with the Dove Self-Esteem Project, Melissa Atkinson, myself, Kirsty Garbett and other colleagues here at CAR, we worked with Dove, with school teachers um, and with students, as well as Susan and her team, to adapt Happy Being Me to be delivered in a co-educational format mm-hmm. for boys and girls and to be delivered in a format that teachers can deliver themselves. Um, and it in- addresses um, media literacy, including social media and traditional media, as well as appearance comparisons, body talk. And then it looks at how students can actually apply this in their everyday lives through a um, body confidence champion activity, we call it. And the cool thing about that program is it's freely available Mm -hmm. online um, for teachers to download um, from selfesteem.dove.com. It's also available. Yeah, cool. It's also in 14 different languages because a lot of the research and programs have been developed in North America, Western Europe, and Australia, but that one's actually been adapted. Um, And we've also got Sandra Torres and colleagues who are currently studying it. We've studied it in big randomized control trials here in the UK. Her team's looking at in Portugal Portugal, um, as well, which is really cool and getting some promising effects. And then Helena, um, Lewis Smith here um, and Kirsty and I are looking at it in India at the moment with some collaborators, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that it's got that global piece and that you can download it for free and it's in different languages so we'll definitely make sure we have a link there yeah one other one I wanted to point out is also Media Smart um, which is developed by Simon Wilkes and Tracy Wade from Flinders University um, in Australia Mm -hmm. that's also one of the programs that has been really rigorously evaluated in schools and has been shown to be effective as well for boys and girls okay Great. And is that available online as well, do you know? Um, it, it can. So if you get in touch with Simon, it's got a website and you can get in okay. touch with him about how to access it. Yeah. Great. Thank you. And then so then we've spoken a lot about the school-based interventions in terms of like lesson, lessons and curriculum. I wonder if there's anything more schools can be doing to foster positive body image beyond beyond like yeah. lesson, lesson yeah. planning. Yeah. So that's starting to think about a whole school approach right. to promoting positive body image. Um, and there are lots of things. So obviously evidence-based programs in the classroom and in the curriculum or wherever you're going to do those types of things. But then you can start to think more broadly about what can happen in the school environment. So that could be at a policy level. So having policies around teasing and bullying that specifically relate to appearance mm-hmm. or appearance-based prejudice and discrimination. Um, it can be thinking about, you know, at one level, school uniform options and how they might influence the comfort of students. Um, and also the availability of um, food, different types of foods in the cafeteria and the messaging and language that goes around that. 
um, as well as teachers and the training that they have because, you know, teachers are adults. They're just like you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, they probably have their own histories with body image and concerns. So thinking about um, how they might address those or sometimes teachers can be concerned thinking, well, do I have to have a perfect body image before I can deliver these lessons? Right. And my answer to that is no, but you need to be aware of your body image issues and um, sharing your own personal, you know, experiences is not necessary mm-hmm. um, and probably is something that we would recommend against doing it in the right. classroom. It's not necessary to have an impact on your students um, in a positive way um, to do that. There's also um, in the UK, at least, the Be Real campaign, which is a national mm-hmm. campaign for body image uh, has a whole school toolkit that schools can download. It has been developed for the UK context, but there will be bits in there that are relevant elsewhere and that's downloadable for free online as well. Okay, awesome. We'll have a link to that as well. So before we wrap up, this has all been really, um, really informative. So what for you is next when, when thinking about body image research in schools and intervention development? Yeah. So I think what's really going to be important for our field going forward is to consolidate what we know. So unless there's a really specific need to, I kind of recommend against creating whole new programs um, and going out there and researching that rather looking at what we've got that works and can we test it in multiple settings or adapt it for different audiences? Because if everyone goes out there and creates their own program, that requires Mm -hmm. a lot of time, resource and energy to do that and then to go on and evaluate them and that can take a number of years and then what we end up with is a very fractured evidence base where a program has been shown to work in one country in one particular setting but does it work for a different age group or Mm -hmm. to your question earlier does it work for single sex or mixed gender groups or does it work when a teacher delivers it as opposed to a researcher so I think we need to get more strategic and consolidated focus on the programs that are showing Mm -hmm. effectiveness and then test them under all different circumstances to to make sure um, where they work or where they might fall down. Um, and then also I think we need to be thinking really carefully about how we get our programs out there, um, how we get the best programs of what we have out there whilst also continuing to monitor and always try and improve what we're offering as well so that the evidence-based resources are accessible and available to people as much as some of the other ones that aren't evidence-based um, are at the moment. Okay, great. Thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you. No problem. That was such a great interview. And as always, Philippa makes very clear points. I really liked her final point, though, about research seeking to replicate and support body image interventions, which already exist, rather than just creating a bunch of new interventions, and then there's less evidence base for them. Yeah, definitely. I'm really curious to see how existing programs like Confident Me works in different countries around the world. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, Another school-based body image study that we currently are running here at CAR is a very large project, including a total of 20 schools, which, as you can imagine, is a lot of participants. It's around 2,000, isn't it, Jade? Yep, sure is. And in this project, led by Dr. Melissa Atkinson, who was a guest on our Mindfulness and Body Image episode, yep, and Philippa, includes students aged 13 to 14 years taking part in a body image programme which involves teachers delivering the interventions to co-educational classes. This project is testing several different body image interventions, one of which uses mindfulness as a tool to help with negative body image. And when we have the results, we can include a link in the show notes. Anyway, we have covered why it's important to tackle body image in schools and how we can go about doing this. But what we haven't had yet is a teacher's perspective on the topic. Oh, I know where you're going with this, Jade. (laughs) 
Yes, and like an A-plus student, you already know the answer, Nadia. Well, this is a fitting time to introduce our next guest, Mr Ian Murdoch. Ian is currently a secondary school teacher at St Catherine's School in Bristol. Plus, I'd like to personally congratulate him on his recent promotion to head of house in the school. Congrats, Ian. Awesome. (laughs) Let's hear from him. So, hi Ian. Thank you for coming on Appearance Matters, the podcast. It's great to have you. Hi Jade, yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, so it's really great to discuss the topic of body image interventions in schools from the perspective of a teacher like yourself. So kind of my first question is, why do you think it's important for students to learn and discuss about body image in school? Um, I think it's vital really, um, having a positive body image is important for a student's well-being mm-hmm. overall. You know, negative body image leads to all sorts of issues with students here. Yeah. So, for example, we've got a number of students we have with negative body image um, might have um, issues with eating. So you, you check what they're kind of buying in the canteen and, you know, the only thing they're getting all day is a small role. So, you yeah, know, it, it can lead to issues with that. It can lead to issues with participation in sport, which obviously isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's important to move students away from this idea that it's how they look that's the most important thing. Yeah, we, we kind of live in a society where, where they're bombarded with these ideas that, yeah, that how they look and how their body looks, that's the most important thing. And I just don't think that's very healthy for them in terms of their, their, yeah, their mental health. Um, the students with poor body image tend to sort of fixate on it and it drains time and energy from them and it stops them doing other things. I think, yeah, there's a girl in school not so long ago and, and she used to catch her every lunchtime taking selfies of herself. And then really? adjusting her face, then taking selfies of herself. Yeah, and it's just this obsessive fixation of yeah. what it looks like. And I don't know, I, I, just, I just think it's not a healthy thing. And I think we need to sort of counter this sort of hyperstylization that exists in society as well. So, yeah, it, it's a really important thing to teach. I think there's, there's lots of benefits from teaching it and trying to get children to be more positive about their body image. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that mirrors quite a lot of the research that we have and we know that it can affect things like concentration in class or not even putting your hand up in, in lessons if they don't feel comfortable with the yeah. way they look. Yeah, because we don't want them to draw attention to themselves. Exactly, and that's great examples, yeah. Ian. So do you think there's a particular age that we should target then for these children with body image concerns? I think that's a difficult question. I mean, I work in secondary education and I think we should look at it with 11-year-olds through to 18-year-olds, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that we shouldn't look at it with children that are younger. My, my daughter's eight and she's sort of becoming body aware and she's talked about it, um, not, not in terms of herself being fat. She's starting to sort of notice this idea of being fat, being not fat, yeah. being chunky, being not chunky. Um, and she's about eight years old. So I just think it's, I think it's one of those topics that you need to keep revisiting, like yeah. sort of, um, like, like sex ed, really. You have to keep coming back to it. And I, I don't think there is a, particular age that should be targeted but I suppose I think years eight and nine in particular can be difficult for children because they get you're kind of in the middle of puberty then so there's Mm. a lot of changes going on so um, I I think teach about it all the time but I think the the real pressure points perhaps come in years years eight and nine but that's just an observation really I don't I don't know is the answer but all all ages I'll just say all ages yeah I agree I think it's complex but I also agree that if we see it kind of like sets education that it should be throughout the curriculum throughout years Mm -hmm. and developed I agree with that definitely so do you think teachers are well equipped to teach about body image in the classroom I know your secondary school so perhaps in line with that yeah um, I think some are and some aren't um so 
probably not on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most teachers don't don't have to teach it, so it's not a requirement. It would generally come under PHSE if it comes under anything at all. Yeah. But I've, taught, I've taught PHSE syllabuses as, as a non-specialist and not really had to mention body image at all. No. Um, so I, I don't I don't know that it is necessarily taught that often or that well taught. Um, I've seen external agencies come in. I think I've do a thing with body image, and you guys came in from UWE. Yeah. But I think my answer would probably be no. They're probably not. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe some are, some aren't. I, I feel a lot more confident in teaching about body image than perhaps I did. Yeah. But I kind of had an interest in it anyway. I'd written some lessons for Year Eleven around body image, but. I think I'm probably the exception rather than the norm. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't think teachers are that well prepared. Mm. I think there might be something about that mandatory element with it not being mandatory that might feed into the idea that there's not much there for them to lean on if something they yeah, want to address. Yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure teachers do address it. I mean, you, you probably address it as a pastoral leader, as a form teacher, if you think a child's got a negative body image. I mean, I, I've dealt with children individually who've mm-hmm. got a sort of... Um, negative body image and try to give them tools to sort of balance that out but that's sort of happy amateur bumbling really I've got no no real training on it and I don't I don't know that was necessarily that good a job I just did the best I could kind of thing so yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's built into the fabric of education in the way that it could be yeah no I, I agree so also yeah. as you yeah. mentioned earlier um you had delivered some body image and mindfulness intervention lessons for us um, that you mm. provided with your year nine boys and girls. And kind of yeah. as a male overall humanities teacher, um, how was delivering body image interventions on mindfulness then for you? Yeah, that was, I think that's quite an interesting question. Really. I, I, I didn't really think about it in terms of my gender. Toy. I personally felt fine with it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable talking about any issues, to be honest, as long as I know something about them. Yeah. Um, and I think if you can do sex ed and, you know, periods, <laughs> I think body image is okay. Yeah. Um, when, I first, when I first started teaching, I was just, you know, as a, as a, sort of 20 years ago, as a teacher, I remember struggling sometimes in sex ed lessons and feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but I think that's more to do with children making me feel uncomfortable, you know, picking up on that and then being deliberately, you know, deliberately trying to embarrass me. But now I'm just I'm unembarrassable, to be honest, and it, and it doesn't bother me. And it's like, it really doesn't bother me. And, yeah, I felt fine. I was excited by it. I thought, I thought it was good. And I, I don't think the children, I don't think it makes a difference with children whether I'm male or female either, I think. Yeah. I haven't noticed a difference, but that's just a personal opinion. Yeah, and from yeah. kind of watching some of your lessons here, I could definitely agree that you were head in, go for it, just see where it takes yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. That's a great way of approaching yeah. it, for sure. So also, yeah, from your perspective, how did students respond to the intervention? I know this is quite a tricky question because you don't know for sure, but what did you think? I think I think response. I've asked them um, oh, okay. quite a lot actually. I've talked, I, I, I keep bringing it up because um, <laughs> I want I want to do more stuff with mindfulness. So I keep on tapping into. It. I think responses were mixed, right. and I think um, a few a few kids actively disliked it um, and, and didn't want to do it and they didn't enjoy it. Um, I think a few kids sort of actively sort of really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. um, but I think the majority were quite neutral. And um, if I were doing the intervention again, um, I, I think I'd do it differently. Yep. What, I'm, what actually what I'm aiming to do next year is, is to try and condense that intervention course spread over sort of six weeks into a day okay. um, and then follow it up through the tutor program. I think it's doable. So you have a collapsed timetable and you kind of deliver those sessions quite intensely, and then um, you follow it up through the tutor programme, which I'm, I'm going to be writing next year. Okay. So then you follow up body image in tutor time, and you have, you have about 20 minutes every morning where you can do some mindfulness, you can mm-hmm. revisit body image, and just 
just dip into it. I think personally, I think that would make it effective. Yeah. But I think um, in terms of perspective, I think their responses were mixed. Um, the majority, I'd say, were fairly neutral or ambivalent about it. But I think it, I think it could, I think it could still work. Yeah, so I think I think we could I think we can make it better actually. Okay, great. And obviously like you've got the combination of with it being once for every week for five weeks, in contrast to it needing to be quite feasible in the timetable and curriculum, which obviously that's not mm. always there's not always space for that, is there in the timetable to have an hour no, every no, week no, for five not. weeks. No, so that's really no, interesting no, it's, point. It's not. And yeah, that's it. And and I think yeah, it, it's 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 you need to get into the people who have some control over the timetable. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sort of coming to be writing um, the tutor program, yeah. I'm kind of in now in a position where I can say, can we have some collapsed timetable days where we take year nine off timetable mm. day and we do this work? Ideally, yeah. you train the tutors up and do it with them. And I think if you can get in and do that, I think that would be really quite effective. But yes, it's straight get into the, the, the stakeholders, the people who've got some sort of control over that. Yeah, definitely. That's a really important point. I think there's obviously lots of different levels there, isn't it? And how much you yeah, have yeah. a control over what the children yeah. can do. And so do you see the students that took part benefiting from receiving body image interventions in schools and also like broader other students that might take part? Yes, I think I think I do see students benefiting from it and I can see where the benefit would lie. It's interesting, actually, with the class. I did, I did the mindfulness intervention with and the body image intervention with. We watched a documentary on plastic surgery. Right. Um, and it was interesting in sort of seeing their attitudes. And their attitudes were very much along the lines of, well, actually, they need to accept themselves who they are. So I think some of the, those lessons have stuck, yeah. possibly. But I think it needs to be sustained. I think it needs to be a sustained focus that's revisited. Mm-hmm. I think the messages need repeating because... If you think about the opposite messages, you know, the messages that, you know, what matters is your body and that that, that kind of the messages they're getting from the media, then yeah. those are constant and they're so pervasive that I think doing like we're going to do three lessons of body image today and of this this turn, like that's done, there's your body image done for for years seven, eight and nine. I just don't think it's enough. Mm. I think it needs to be a sustained focus that's revisited and you keep dripping it in, keep bringing it in, yeah. you know, like you do with Texas. And I think if we do that and repeat the messages, I think we can then maybe counteract the opposite messages. Um, but it, it, it's, it's a continual thing that needs refreshing, I think. I agree. I think seeing it not as like a tick box that should be just checked, um, but seeing it as we're trying to counter all these messages that they're mm-hmm. repeatedly getting, not only in the media, but also online or on social media that they're seeing mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And really thinking about ways to tackle that in in the classroom or in the school environment. I think that's really useful. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And so, Ian, I have one last question for you, but it's because. Okay. Uh, so this is a bit of a surprise question. Um, at the Centre for Appearance Research in in Bristol, we have a weekly cake and coffee morning. Now it's yeah. a tradition on the podcast that we ask people, "What kind of cake would you bring to our coffee morning?" <laughs> bit random. What kind of cake? I can tell you exactly the kind of cake I would bring to your coffee morning. Okay. I would bring you an orange and almond cake. I love almonds. They're actually one of my favourites. It's, it's an amazing recipe. I got it from uh, it's an Italian lady who lives in my village and her son comes to the school. And my, daughter, my wife went to her for Italian lessons and she gave us some of this cake and got the recipe. And it's, a, it's my, my go-to cake. If I have to make a cake, it's orange and almond cake. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Wow. 
You can bring that cake anytime, Ian. We're we're not that far. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> no, um, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been great to hear from a teacher like yourself and get your perspective. Yeah, it's been it's been nice to be involved. Oh, I'm so glad we were able to get a teacher's perspective. It was really good to hear from Ian. Yeah, I'm glad too that he didn't feel awkward living the programme because I kind of wondered about that because sometimes we hear that teachers do feel like nervous maybe um, when it comes to like teaching body image curriculum. But then his comment about if he can teach sex ed, then he can teach body image curriculum any day of the week uh, really hit the nail on the head for me, I think. Yeah, agreed. And on a more personal note, for me, it was great working with Ian and getting to observe his lessons and see him teach so passionately and really engage the students even though I was meant to be observing sometimes I couldn't help myself but engage in some of the lessons it was so fun and um, you could really tell that he was passionate about what he did oh that's so nice to hear so I think now before we wrap up we should finish off by giving a few top tips for people who are delivering body image programs in schools hmm, great idea Nadia and this is also what we do in the training for teachers who are delivering body image interventions so I will go first Create the right environment, Mm -hmm. number one. Um, It's very important you create the right space for students to share information, and this can be done by setting some simple ground rules. Yeah, like agreeing that what we say stays in the class. Yep, exactly that. Okay, so next one. As the teacher or facilitator that leads the discussions, allow the responses to come from the students and, you know, maybe guide them to the correct response, but don't just give it to them on the plate. Let them, give them a chance and opportunity to to get there and don't be afraid of the silence. And with body image interventions, often comes materials like PowerPoint slides or a guide. Use the guide and the notes to your advantage. They are what is evidence-based and they're to help you to get the most out of your students to really draw out those responses like you were saying, Nadia. And the last one, I think, is perhaps a more general one and that is to be a body-confident role model. So this ties in with what Philippa mentioned. And being a body confident role model doesn't mean you have to have a really positive body image, so to be super body confident to be able to deliver the lessons, but it does need a certain awareness and understanding of what your actions and words have on people's body image. So for example, discussing other people's weight and shape, regardless of whether that's like positive or negative, can serve to reinforce the pressures that we have in society to, to look a certain way. Definitely, for sure. And I think celebrity bashing can be an easy go-to when it comes to body image lessons. Um, And of course, this doesn't help anybody and is another example. Yeah, exactly. So it's like talking respectfully and kindly about both your body, your classroom's body and and people's bodies in general. Yeah, and that kind of goes for inside and outside the classroom. And I think also that's a lovely way to finish this episode, don't you, Nadia? Yeah, definitely. And if you think this episode passed with flying colours, (laughs) please follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to leave us a review. Jade, I think that was your best pun to date. Thanks, Nadia. So it wasn't a total fail then? No, so unlike uh, all of your school reports then, Jade, huh? (laughs) Oi, cheeky, but undeniably accurate. (laughs) Anyway, join us next episode when we'll be talking about positive body image. Awesome. Now we're off to go and do our homework, aren't we, Nadia? We are indeed.